Hello, Lime Ninjas. This is Lime Ninja Radio, where we help you navigate confidently through your own personal Lime journey. Everybody's journey is different, and a cookie-cutter approach just doesn't work for Lyme disease. You need ninja skills. I'm your host and acupuncturist, McKay Rippey, and this is episode number 109 with Lyme Ninja, Christina Kovacs. Also with us in the studio is our certified show producer and the brains behind Lime Ninja Radio, Aurora. Hello, and in this episode you will learn how important the right antibiotics are and the importance of a holistic outlook has for your health. Love me some holistic outlook. <laughs> Spoken as an acupuncturist. It's funny because that's the way we were trained really to look at everything, 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 um, including like the colors of a clothes a person wears. So holistic has a whole nother meaning. Anyway, back to the focus of Lime Ninja Radio. <laughs> you out there who's listening to us and not whether or not I'm looking at your clothes because I can't. We're on radio. Where are we going with this? (laughs) Stop. Save him from himself. (laughs) Insert sound effects here. Okay. Okay. So just want to make sure that you have our brain fog breathing cheat sheet. If you haven't yet gotten it, go on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com front slash brain fog and sign up to get it. And that's very simple. LimeNinjaRadio.com, the little front slash thingy that you do for web addresses, and then the word brain fog. And you'll be taken right to a sheet where you can sign up and get it. It's pretty cool. It works. It helps clear your brain. Right, Aurora? It does. All right. So tell us a little bit more about today's guest, Christina Kovacs. Christina has been sick since the summer of 2006. She has been diagnosed with POTS, SIBO, brain damage, and has had her gallbladder removed. And just hang on a second. So POTS is like when you stand up and you get dizzy because of low... Uh, blood pressure, so it's positional yep. blood pressure problem, and SIBO is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. So that's basically use, I'm sorry, yeast growing up uh, your small intestine from the large intestine where it's supposed to hang out. So that's what those two acronyms mean. Anyway, continue, please. Yes, they're very nasty. So the catalyst for a change in her health was happened when her mother found a doctor in Tennessee who specialized in disorders of the eye and brain, who was able to tell her that she had brain damage and referred her to a doctor who specialized in mystery diagnoses. This doctor took 30 vials of blood to test them and was finally able to tell her what was wrong. She had Lyme disease. She moved in with her parents full-time in January 2012 so she could fully concentrate on her health and has spent the last four years healing from Lyme. Thanks, Aurora. And I know you're going to love this interview with our Lyme Ninja, Christina Kovacs. Hello, Christina. This is McKay Rippey from Lyme Ninja Radio. Hi. How are you? I'm doing very, very well this fall. Fall started yesterday. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. It's still like 90s here where I live, so it doesn't feel like fall just yet. What part of the country are you? I'm in Kentucky. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And in the it hills, or is all of Kentucky hills, or does it have some flatlands too? Um, hmm. It's kind of a mixture, but where I live, it's eastern Kentucky, so it's pretty mountainous here. Okay. And even in the mountains, it's still warm during the day, huh? 
Yeah, lately it's just been so, so hot. Like, it's probably in, like, the 90s every day. So, I don't know, Mother Nature, she's, she's a little confused. She's, <laughs> I was going to say, she has her own ideas. <laughs> she does, yeah, she really does. We're supposed to cool down for the first time uh, this weekend, and we'll we'll see if that happens or not. That sounds like a really welcome weather report, honestly. I was going to ask you, does the weather affect you and your symptoms? It does. Um, for me, though, it's mostly like weather, like storms or like large pressure fronts. Um, some of the hurricanes, like especially if they're like on the East Coast, sometimes those pressure systems. So it's more like that, not so much hot and cold. Okay, so when the pressure drops, more pain? Yeah, I usually get migraines. Um, uh, that's like the number one thing that I'm always like kind of trying to prepare for. Um, but yeah, usually that and just like pain all over my body. Wonderful. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Another, you know, old fashioned medicine, they used to have people move to different climates to avoid that kind of stuff. Yes. It's so interesting because I am, I'm in Kentucky. I've been living in Kentucky for a long time, but I temporarily moved to uh, Southern California for school and it was wonderful because the weather there, there's no like huge pressure changes at all. And I had no headaches. It was incredible. It was such a perfect climate there. Hmm. Another reason to move to California. I know. I keep I keep stating my case with that. So I don't know. Maybe one day it'll stick. <laughs> <laughs> well, my daughter Aurora is out there, and uh, she talks about the weather. And actually, she's talking about it being boring because she was born and raised on the East Coast, and where we mm -hmm. are, except from New York, we go through. Uh, it doesn't get super hot in the summer, but it gets very pleasant. And then in the winter, we definitely have a lot of snow and cold. So you definitely mm -hmm. have like four seasons up here. I'm sure you do up there in the mountains, too. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> we have all four seasons. Yeah, California definitely, they don't get all the, you know, all the the winter stuff and everything, which is nice, I guess, if you're not used to it. But I could see how eventually she would start to maybe miss that a little bit. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what she says after this winter. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> now, tell me about how did you get Lyme disease um, yeah, so it's kind of so interesting because, uh, and I find this with, with a lot of people, once they get diagnosed, they can kind of look back and be like, oh, that's when it happened. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of one of those moments for me because um, in high school, we used to always play spotlight or flashlight tag. I don't know. They call it uh, yeah, 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 of parts course. of the country. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so we always played that. And where I live, um, there is a lot of wooded area and just undeveloped woods and stuff. So we would just run around there. And um, it was after I had graduated high school that summer. And I live in a small town. There's not a whole lot to do. So we would play, you know, Spotlight and just different things like that. And it was a couple of days after I came in from Spotlight. And I thought I just got the summer flu. Mm-hmm. Um, because I got really, really sick for like a whole month. I was just in bed and I was sick and, you know, they would, you know, the doctors were like, I don't know, summer flu, you know, they just kind of guessed at something and gave me some antibiotics, but I didn't get the right kind or enough, you know, for Lyme disease because they didn't think to check for it then. Right. But of course now I know like, okay, that was definitely when I got Lyme disease. 
Um, because I just was never myself after that. I just never felt the same. And we thought, okay, maybe it's mono. Like we kept testing for mono and that kept coming back negative. Um, then I went off to college and, uh, college is just a teeny bit more stressful um, than living at home with your parents. And so <laughs> <laughs> just a smidge. So yes. that schedule and, um, all the, you know, crazy hours and I was working jobs that kind of took my immune system down a little bit. So I started to get more sick after my first semester of college. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was GI symptoms. So that's Uh. where it started. And I just was having debilitating stomach aches and cramps and pains and just all kinds of things. And I spent a couple years just traveling to different GI doctors, like all over the country. And they ran every test you know, that you can possibly think of. And of course they were like, Oh, I don't know. It's just IBS. It, IBS or stress, <laughs> right? Oh, you're stressed. Yes. Right. Exactly. They're like, school, it's just a lot. You need to take it easy. I'm just like, Oh, oh okay. Like I'll try. Practice meditation. Um, oh, yes. Oh my goodness. If I had a dollar for every time I heard any of those things, or maybe you're just depressed or mm. just a variety of, you know, those things, but it wasn't, I think it took about, I don't know, maybe like a year or two, and then I started to have symptoms that were just spreading, and then they just were popping up left and right. Like I was having weird heart symptoms and blood pressure things and dizziness and all kinds of stuff. So I went to cardiologists, and they were like, well, you have you have POTS. And so I was like, oh, great. Like I finally know what I have. It's exactly. wonderful. You know what's funny? I'm going to interrupt you for a second. It's funny yeah, yeah, that yeah. you go to a doctor, and they'll give you a name for what you already know as if they've mm-hmm. done something. So yeah, exactly. You have POTS, which means you stand up and you get dizzy. Well, thank you. That's why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I was like, oh, good. Yeah, but exactly. That's so true because you feel like, oh, great, I finally know. But then when you really start reading what it is, you're like, oh, this is just a definition of what I told you I had. So, yeah, exactly, exactly. And so I was like, okay, great. So, you know, I mean, I took just different medications, trying to keep my blood pressure up. And I wore compression stockings and I was like, Oh, this will fix everything. (laughs) You know, they don't have fashion compression stockings yet. Do they? (laughs) No, you're a little young. You're a little young for those. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Oh yeah. Some of the looks that I get sometimes, like whenever people can see me wearing them, it's honestly very, very funny. What what is going on? But, uh, (laughs) those are staple for me. Um, but yeah, so, so then I started to have really bad fatigue and they were like, Oh, you just need some B12 shots, mm-hmm. and, you know, all that jazz. Oh, I, so, so I have a question for the B12. Did that make things better, yeah. worse or not change anything? It didn't do anything for me. Okay. Like it at all. It didn't make it worse, thankfully, but it just did not help at all. Like I would get the B12 shots and like, this will give you energy. And it just didn't do a thing. I would just sleep and sleep and I would have night sweats like crazy and yeah. just sleep for hours on end. And it was just so bizarre. And then it moved into neurological symptoms. Ugh. And, and so it was kind of like spreading. And I'm sure a lot of people with Lyme can relate. Like you'd go to all these different specialists, like in their fields and you're kind of like, Oh, well wait, now it's my heart. Let me go to a cardiologist. Okay. Right. Well now it's my brain neurologist. And so you kind of hop around to different places, but they all just look at you in their specialty, so yeah. it's hard. Like, they don't put all the full-body symptoms together. Now, and so yeah. I'm going to interrupt again. So 
during yeah. this, and someone's going to yell at me for interrupting you. Um, <laughs> oh, no. But just excuse me. Bear with me. Yeah, of course. Are you connecting the dots? Do you think these things are related? Or are you still kind of in the Western mode where, oh, I've got a heart problem, now I've got a neurological problem, and, you know, it's so like, well, things are falling apart, but are you still seeing mm-hmm. these as isolated events? Are you starting to think, wait a minute, there's something underlying connecting all these things? Well, it's so funny that you asked that because I was thinking it was separate things for sure. I was like, oh gosh, it's just spreading here and there. And the funniest thing is my dad, from the very beginning, whenever I started having symptoms, but they were like moving a little bit, he was like, one day, Christina, we're going to find out that this is just all related. And it's, I say that that's funny because my mom is a physician and she, you know, was with me. She was like, okay, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. And my dad was like, nope, it's definitely all something. And the he would watch, there's a show called, oh gosh, I think it's called Mystery Diagnosis. I don't know if yeah, you've yeah, ever yeah. seen it. Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah. yeah, it's on Discovery um, Investigation or Discovery Health or one of those channels. And it, it tells stories about people who had really hard mystery diagnosis. And my dad, he bought every season, like there's like eight seasons, and he watched every single episode on repeat. I'm not kidding you. Wow. And he watched them over and over, and he took notes, and he wrote down everything. No kidding. It was just, yeah, it was incredible. He was like, I'm going to figure this out because I know it's all related. So he what was the one of the This family. is another important question. What does your dad do for yeah. a living, can I ask? Yeah, well, he's retired now, but um, he played professional soccer in Europe, and then oh, he did cool. some construction and stuff here. And um, Did he ever get a yeah, college degree? He didn't. Uh, okay. My parents are from Hungary, too, oh, and so right, cool. uh, th- th- they came over here um, and the, the re- later yeah, on in their life. The, the reason why I'm asking is because a lot of mm-hmm. times <clears throat> people outside the medical profession have like an engineering background. And they just think yeah. about mm-hmm. symptoms and systems and the body much differently than a doctor. Like you said, your mom, the physician, yep. is trained mm-hmm. in the silo. So you go see somebody for your left knee, and then you go see somebody for your heart, and then you go see somebody for your uh, mental neurological problems. But then you go see somebody different for your physical neurological problems. And it just yeah. gets you know sliced finer and finer and finer. And that gives us mm-hmm. amazing Western medicine where they can do absolute miracles and really help people, Mm -hmm. but it also, you lose the forest for the trees many times. So I'll just, I I come across people who have, you know, weird, like NASA background at my mentor and acupuncturist has NASA background and uh, some other uh, talking to a man now who's uh, a naturopath, Bob Miller, and his background Mm -hmm. is in cable television. (laughs) (laughs) So it just, anyway, it just brings a different way of thinking. So your dad's thinking, and it probably has Mm -hmm. to do with his sports and soccer is such a networked sport, you know, that it's about staying connected and having the right spacing and and working really as a, uh, as a 11 person unit out there. And so his yeah. way of thinking and seeing things is going to be different than a doctor. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree with you. He has a very, very kind of a different way of piecing things together, which I'm, I'm very thankful for because he kind of keeps me grounded in that sense. And um, and like you said, with the engineering thing, he does. He kind of has a little a bit of an engineering background, too. He did construction for a very long time. So he sees the pieces very differently, and he was absolutely convinced. I mean, way before you could have ever convinced me that they were all connected. So he knew. He definitely knew. So cool. So you're traveling yeah. around with your mom. Your dad's yeah. watching all these things late at night, and you think he's a little bit strange, but he loves you. How cute. My dad loves me. 
Yes, yes, yes. It was so sweet. Yeah, gosh, we went everywhere. It was crazy. I mean, I'm talking like once we got to the neurological stuff, we're like, all right, something is really just weird here um, with my neurological symptoms. And so, I mean, we went to like the specialist all the way in Los Angeles and all the way in New York. Like we were on like two ends of the spectrum visiting like neurologists and went to the healthier clinic and like all these renowned places. And I'm like, all right, someone has got to figure out what is going on in my brain like something is just not right like I had tons of sleep studies just all kinds of stuff and of course they were like oh maybe you know it looks like you have a Chiari 1 malformation or a Chiari I'm not sure how you, how you pronounce it and you know they were like well maybe you know yeah you know just like a little brain surgery or whatever and I was like whoa 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 <laughs> whoa minor brain surgery <laughs> yeah exactly uh, I was like I don't I don't I don't I don't know about that and so Gosh, yeah, it's just, it's just so crazy like, when you think back and I mean, but I'm glad because I always just had a really good gut instinct. So oftentimes, you know, people get misdiagnosed and I definitely have my fair share of that, but I always knew it was a misdiagnosis because there were pieces of the puzzle missing. So, mm-hmm. you know, there are certain symptoms that couldn't get lumped in and I just was like, mm, something just doesn't feel quite right. But the interesting part of my story, which, is, which I'll get to is, the way I got my diagnosis, which I think is really peculiar but interesting, um, is that I started working for this program, and they work with children who have special needs. Mm-hmm. And um, I got this job because I have a background in psychology. And whenever I got the job, I went to like an orientation training. And one thing that all the students, when, when they come, they do a visual acuity exam. Yes. And it's a really specialized eye test exactly. yeah, for these children. Because they tend to either have some kind of, you know, brain damage or yep. changes in their brain. And so we would do a test when they come in with the program and then we would do one, you know, kind of to track their progress. So my boss was like, listen, I need to train you on this. Why don't I have you run through the test as if you're a student and then you'll learn that way hands on. I was like, of course. So I do this, um, this high exam and I fail it miserably. Yeah, like I completely failed it. And she was a little bit concerned because she's like, healthy adults like should not be failing this. Like, and I just could not see the things that I was supposed to see. Like, I just physically, I mean, I have 20-20 vision, but I just couldn't see it. Right. She was like, that's, you know, something strange there. So she was the one who kind of encouraged me to take that test result. Because I finally had a piece of paper that was like showing, okay, something's not quite right mm-hmm. somewhere in your brain. So mm-hmm. I was like, finally. And so it was kind of serendipitous how it happened, truthfully. And so we found a neuro ophthalmologist, and uh, he's like a you know kind of he ties in neuro. I can't I can't talk today. He ties in um, you know studying the brain, but also how it connects with the eye. Yeah. And so I went to him, and he ran tests for like two days, all kinds of different um, you know just scans on the brain and visual tests and everything, and. He sat me down and he was like, listen, so I reviewed all your tests and there's a part of your brain that has brain damage. Yeah. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he was like, you know, have you been in an accident or anything? I'm like, no. So he was like, okay, if it's not from an external source, it's happening internally. Huh. And so that was a big piece of the puzzle. And so he sent me to someone who isn't a line literate doctor, but he's kind of like a doctor house. He just, he specifically takes on tough cases. hard to treat cases. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Like mystery cases. That's his forte. And he has, a, he has a pretty long waiting list, but with the referral, I managed to get in within a couple months, and I went to this doctor, and I was just, at this point, so freaked out, because I'm like, what's happening? I have brain damage. 
have all these crazy neurological symptoms, GI symptoms and everything. And uh, he was like, we're going to figure this out. So he took probably, no exaggeration, 30 vials of blood. I mean, he just... I think I sat in that chair for like two hours just giving blood because he was like, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm checking you for everything. For I was everything. like, oh my goodness. <laughs> but I knew I was in good hands at that point. So, um, you know, I go home, I wait, and about two weeks later he calls and he's like, you know, can you come back? I want to do some further testing, but I think we found our cause. I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, I think that you have Lyme disease. Hey. And, and I was like, what? You know, because I had never heard of Lyme disease at this point. Yeah. Honest. God, I don't know how, with all the research I did, I've never heard of it. So I Googled it, and I'm like, all right, like, you know, let me just, you know, see kind of like what the symptoms are. And I read about it, and of course, when you first Google Lyme disease, it just talks about, like, the acute symptoms. It doesn't really, you know, talk about chronic Lyme. And I'm like, no way. I'm like, I'm not even outdoors. It's tick. Are you kidding me? No rash. So was, right. Yeah, yeah, no rash. I was like, what are you talking Like, I honestly was like, no way. I was such a skeptic. I, I was actually the opposite. I did not believe that was the case, but <laughs> I, I was. I was so cynical. Uh, I was like, oh, great, another misdiagnosis. Yeah. You're like, I was just being so ridiculous. But, um, you know, he did further testing, and it came back without a shadow of a doubt. I was like, no, you 100% have Lyme disease. You have uh, Bartonella. You have Protomyxoa. Like, it's all here. And it was just a really just eye-opening moment for me because, I know a lot of times people feel like, oh, their symptoms match up, and then they ask their doctor to test for Lyme. But I was the opposite. I was being told, I think it's Lyme disease, and I was like, no way. Like, it's not possible. Because I'm just, I'm not an outdoorsy person at all. I've never hiked in my life. I've never camped. Like, I don't really particularly like the outdoors, (laughs) to be really honest with you. (laughs) I am not your idea of an outdoorsy person whatsoever. So So what um, are you doing in Kentucky? (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not that. I mean, I never really <laughs> played sports or did anything. I'm, I am just the epitome of a girly girl, to be honest with you. So I was just like, mm, no thanks. Like, I'm going to pass. That's right. Be proud. Just, know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So, yeah, it was just an interesting thing. But, of course, I mean, once I finally got all the facts and got educated, and then I remembered when I started to get sick and then, you know, everything clicked. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. So, yeah, it was an interesting little kind of serendipitous thing how it worked out um, and how I kind of finally got diagnosed. But very, very strange. Indeed. Now, I'm (laughs) so glad you brought up part of your story about the brain damage and the eye uh, tracking problems or the visual problems that happened there. And Mm -hmm. there definitely is a link with once people get the neurological part of Lyme, Mm -hmm. their vision does go off. Now, did you do any eye therapy to help like sync back up your eyeballs and your brain? I did. Yeah. And was it helpful? Well, this is the thing. At the time, it was. I have convergence insufficiency and a couple of different of these like visual, you know, things that I got, you know, quote unquote diagnosed with. And they're like, all right this should help. And I did, I mean, I did visual therapy diligently and it helped a little bit, but it's like the second that I stop (laughs) at all or like take a break from it, it goes right back. Okay. So that's interesting. Mm -hmm. So I think that makes it a little bit different. So there's similar patterns that show up with people with concussions and they are Mm -hmm. treating concussions 
brain concussion brain damage with that type of visual therapy. And I just see this overlap with Lyme disease, but it makes sense that Mm -hmm. if the bacteria is still in there or whatever is still in there causing the damage, Mm -hmm. that as soon as you stop, it would come back again. So it's not a, it's not a fix for Lyme disease, but I think there are people out there who have gone through the antibiotic and have for the most part gotten the infections under control and their brains Mm -hmm. and their eyeballs are still out of sync. And it can be a major part of fatigue and stress and strain and and headaches because the brain's working Mm -hmm. overtime to try and see. And it's just, Mm -hmm. it has to spend so much of its resources putting together the information that should be just coming smoothly from the eyes into the visual part of the brain that it just, I think it's just one of those extra stresses and it's one of those invisible things. So I want to encourage people, you know, if you're still having fatigue and you think you're through all the antibiotics, you don't feel like you've got the infection anymore, but you still have these Mm -hmm. weird neurological symptoms, go get, go get this testing done. And what is it called again? I don't even know what it's called. Um... That's a a really great question. Um, (laughs) Okay. It's the eyeball-brain connection test. (laughs) Yes, yes. Go ask for that. Well, I mean, like, for example, I mean, I don't know if this would help people, but I had convergence insufficiency is what it's called. And uh, I don't know how – I'm not sure what the test is. There's a lot of, you know, visual kind of tests I had to do for it. But, yeah, the eye therapy, it's it's incredible. I will 100% say that. I definitely think if the infection is gone, it's – I mean, it's – it's remarkable. It's night and day what it can do if you really kind of work and stick with it. So, cool, definitely. And then, at what point did you feel inspired to start Lady of Lime? Yeah. So at first, it started because so after I got diagnosed, which was in 2011. Um, at the time, there was really not a whole lot on the internet. Like, there wasn't a lot of blogs that I could find. There wasn't a lot of patient experiences I could find. And I was just really freaked out, honestly. I kind of felt alone in the situation. And, um, I was like, oh, oh my goodness, you know, like, what am I going to do? And I was just kind of reading, you know, on different forums, but they were kind of just giving me more anxiety. They weren't really kind of making me feel better. And, so I just kind of, I started it because I was like, okay, you know, a couple things. One, I definitely want a blog so I can keep track of, you know, things that as they progress. So I can look back and be like, wow, look how far I've come. I just thought that that would be something that would kind of keep me going. And then also I thought it could maybe bring comfort to someone else who's going through it, who feels like, oh my goodness, what do I do? Where do I start? So that was the just initial, you know, first purpose. And then as I kind of started doing it, I was like, oh, wow, like there's all these different topics that I don't see covered anywhere. And so I was just starting to just write about different things. And I was, you know, really inspired to just research. So all, all the times that I would sit around researching, which I know that probably most people who have Lyme disease could get an honorary degree in research because Absolutely. there's just so much reading and learning you do. And so I'm a really visual person. I love to write. So I just started putting everything on paper. And so it kind of grew from that thing. And then it just, I started meeting people through it. You know, people would email me or I connect with them on Twitter. And I started, you know, making friendships and connections and sharing information back and forth. And so, you know, this like little tiny, small idea kind of grew. And uh, so, yeah, I'm really, really happy, you know, for that, <laughs> for that aspect of it. Yeah, you've been doing this five years now. That's amazing. 
Yeah, I know. And so it's it's crazy. I go back sometimes and read my very first post and I'm like, oh, wow, because I still remember like everything I was feeling then. So it's, it's really interesting. It's kind of like a little time capsule. Yeah, it is. It's so great. Now, recently you've been talking about mold. Oh, yes. And how did you come to want to learn about mold? Yeah, you know, I have I had heard just kind of in passing that you know you know mold you know can create some neurotoxins and stuff, but I really just I, I had never done any testing, I'd never done anything specific for it. But you know, we I think you know I kind of say a lot of times that it's kind of like peeling back the layers of an onion when you're kind of healing from something like Lyme disease, you're untangling things. And for me, it was just interesting because. You know, different tests were showing that, that things were improving as far as my bacterial loads, as far as my infections improving, my CD57 levels have been going up and up and are just in the normal range now, which is incredible. Now, hang and, on one second because you lost me. What's CD57? Oh, okay. <laughs> so, um, CD57, it is a, it, it's a kind of natural killer cell. Oh, okay. And it's, yeah, it's specific to uh, Lyme disease. So whenever it is lowered, um, that is a, that, that's a pretty good indicator that you have chronic Lyme disease. So it will be suppressed in people who have chronic cases of Lyme disease. So it's part and, of the immune system that Lyme disease suppresses. Yes, yeah. yes, correct, correct, very specifically. And I started at 14, which is very, very low. And... Um, that's kind of, that was one of the big indicators. I mean, along with all my other tests and stuff. And, uh, so then as I was kind of going through treatment for it, every so often we would kind of pop in and check and see how that number was going. And it was just slowly moving up. And the normal range is, I believe, over a hundred. Um, and I'm at 124 now, hey. which is, yay. <laughs> I was so happy about that. And, um, I mean, most doctors like to see it around 150 before they feel like, okay, like they feel comfortable that it, it's not like in an area where it can really, you know, where you can have a relapse. So, I mean, I still have a little bit of work to do on that, but I, it's, it's, it's going up and I had some, I had a bunch of other tests and I had, you know, IgG and IgM tests done. Um, I had DNA sequencing from Fry Labs. I had the May Grunswald uh, Gimsa blood stain testing. I just had all kinds of testing done. So I was like, okay, what else is in my blood? Like, what else do I have to deal with? And things were looking so much better than five years ago. And but I still was really struggling with so many symptoms, primarily neurological, um, and just I just didn't feel right. And I'm just like, something is still going on. It just it was not making any sense to why I was still struggling, but things were looking better. And um, so there there was a doctor, and she was like, you know what, let's just check and see if you could be having some issues with mold. And it's, it's interesting because our house is really, like, newly built. Um, I mean, newly in, like, the last 30 years or so. But, I mean, it's a pretty newly built house, and there's no visible mold. You can't smell mold. You can't see mold. Um it's, so I just was like, there's, there's no way, you know, you, you kind of, you, when, when you think of mold, you think of like, you know, black mold growing, like, yeah, you know, or healing or something visible. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've got a farmhouse that was built in, well, the first part about 1830 and renovated in 1870. So. Oh, wow. Okay. 
Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, some of these older houses, you know, sometimes maybe you can see it or you can smell it or you see a leak or something. And so I just always thought that's kind of this, the case. Um, I had one experience with black mold whenever I was working. I had a job and um, I had worked, it was like in a basement kind of situation. And uh, we, we had mold. It was like very visible and it was making me sick. But I mean, that's kind of what I equated it to. I'm like, if you, if you see it and you have symptoms, I get it. But it just didn't make sense to me. But I was like, all right, like, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just humor everyone and I'll you know, get these tests. And it's interesting because you know, it used to be just a very kind of cut and dry situation with, with mold testing. Um, they had some like urine tests you could do mm-hmm. where, you know, they would just kind of look for the mycotoxins specifically. And that was kind of it. And, you know, those could be, you know, hit or miss and everything. But in the last, you know, couple of years, especially with Dr. Shoemaker, yeah, he, he really pioneered the research on mold. You know, he has found a lot of markers in the blood that are, you know, pretty specific to biotoxins, which is what the mold creates in the body. And um, so, you know, I had a, just a different panel run specifically for looking for these markers. And if they're abnormal, um, with you know, depending on which test you're looking at, they can kind of tell you, all right, is this a, is this a chronic condition you have? Um, is this something that is still currently in your environment? And so the tests started coming back and all the ones like for, you know, showing that I have a chronic issue with the mold, every single one of them were elevated um, or, you know, ab- abnormal, I guess I should say. Um, so was the mold and, in, did it end up being internal or external? Um, or what both. Do you, what do you mean? Oh, oh, okay. Well, both, both. Okay, <laughs> because, okay. I, because, yeah, the last test I got back, it's called the um, TGS Beta 1. And that is going to be elevated if you are in like a water damaged building. It's basically looking at um, like remodeling of the lung cell lining, which is specific to if you have mold uh, in your environment. And the range for that is like, I don't know, zero to 2,000. And mine was at 14,000. So. Woo-hoo! It was wow. super, super elevated. It was very, very high. So that was like ding, ding, ding. Like it's in your environment, Christina. Like it's it's here. So we instantly got um, ERMI testing. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. It basically takes dust samples and it looks for the DNA of mold. different mold species yeah. in them. Yeah. So it's really, really specific. And so we got the mold testing done, um, you know, on the two floors of our house where we live. And then we had a finished basement. We kind of got everything done. And then the results came in and definitely there's mold. It's pretty, pretty high in the basement, actually. And um, it's moderately, I mean, medium, moderately high, you know, in, you know, the rest of our house, too. Right. So it's kind of everywhere. Yep. Like, what is going on? So, yeah, but that really confirmed that there's kind of a pretty big problem with mold in our house, even though you can't really visually see it. So now the process of remediation right. is beginning. I'm going to I'm gonna make a plug for a, a little product here. Um, do you know Dave yeah. Asprey? And his, uh, I don't think so. So he has a business. He calls it the Bulletproof Executive. And one of the mm-hmm. things, he, he has had Lyme disease. And uh-huh. had mold problems and really started his health journey healing from these two things and now has this giant business out on the West Coast and uh, has a blog and, you know, wow. conference and all this kind of huge stuff right there. He has this, he has a probiotic for your home. He calls it a home biotic. 
and it's fairly inexpensive. It comes in a bottle. Mm-hmm. My my daughter. The reason why I bring this up is we tried it with my daughter. She's out in San Diego, and the house she moved in, she had to temporarily go into this room, and she could smell the mold, and she started getting oh. a sinus infection from it. Right. So I immediately mm-hmm. shipped that. Well, let's try this. I know you got to stay there, but let's you know let's see if we can keep you from getting sick. And she, what mm-hmm. it is, is the the probiotic competes gently with the mold and starts killing it off. And does so in a way that the mold doesn't feel threatened and release all mm-hmm. kinds of toxins in the air at the same time. So it's a little mm-hmm. more gently than like bleaching it down or hydrogen peroxiding it or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so she sprayed this in her room and her her sinus problems went away instantly. So oh my gosh. I'll, I'll send you an email with that and we'll put a link to that in the show notes. It's it's only like 30 yes. bucks. It, you know, so oh my gosh. it doesn't, you know, so it's worth. not going to get behind the walls. And yeah. you know, do mold remediation that way, but it can damp down the amount of mold in a room fairly quickly. Oh yeah, and gently. That's, that's incredible. That is so incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Because you know, while you're waiting on, I mean, if you if you get re- remediation or while you're waiting on something, or especially if you're someone in an apartment and you're renting, where do you go? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, especially like a hotel on room. Yes, exactly. A hotel or work, you know, a lot of offices and stuff that people, yeah, that's, that's, that's a really incredible product. Wow. Cool. All right. So I didn't mean to completely interrupt your train of thought that way, but we did a little bit. Oh, no, 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 no. No, I'm so glad you did. That sounds incredible. Yeah, that's wonderful. So do you think your migraines and kind of your time spent out West where in a drier climate, that mold was part of that equation? Um, maybe, I mean, it's kind of, yeah, I mean, possibly, (laughs) (laughs) I definitely think that, you know, I definitely think that mold is a huge thing impeding definitely my health since I've been at home and trying to get well, because I, I came back from California because um, I was just too sick to keep, you know, keep up with school and everything. So when I came back and, you know, I was going through treatment, you know, I just thought, oh, I'm just getting worse because I'm thing or it's a treatment or whatever. But, you know, definitely now looking back, I would say that definitely won't play the big part because, you know, I know we, I'm sure you kind of familiar with um, the different genetic mutations you can have, which make it difficult to detox certain things out. So, um, yeah, so I have the HLA genetic mutation. So specifically for mold, I'm not detoxing it out. So if I'm in this environment and I'm constantly breathing in these spores and it's creating more of a toxic load, then A, it's going to be even tougher when I, or was even tougher, you know, as I was, you know, taking medicine for the, you know, Borrelia and the Bartonella. I was herxing from that and it was just like a complete overload. So, I think it was, I mean, I think it's been honestly a part of my puzzle for a very, very long time. I'm just finally getting to where I'm like, oh, wait, this is actually a really big problem. So I'm finally, I finally reached that point. We've got a pretty good vegetable garden here. And when the molds attack our vegetables, whether it's the leaves of the plant or the actual fruit, and like this year, we've been having problems with our cherries (laughs) and we've got this mold it's like so the cherries all look beautiful and as soon as they ripen it's like this mold eats the sugar or something and just shows up but it's like Mm. it's it's a sign that the plant isn't 100 percent healthy you know so Mm -hmm. molds are absolutely 
kind of signals from your environment mm-hmm. that your immune system isn't working properly or your detoxification system isn't working properly. They're opportunistic. Yeah. There are not too many of them that are so super aggressive that they just take on a healthy uh, plant or they take on a health, healthy person. Usually they need a window of opportunity to, to kind yeah. of get established. That's so true. I mean, because my parents, they live in the same house and they're fine. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, it definitely, that's, that is so, so, so true. You know, whenever you have something like Lyme disease or, you know, just anything that is bringing your immune system down, it's much easier, definitely, for it to take hold and affect the person. And here's another question for you. So on your journey through Lyme and, and healing, how how far do you think you've come? How far do you still feel like you have to go? Are you halfway there? Are you a third there? Are you two thirds? And it, you know, you can that's reserve an the right to yeah question. to change it. It doesn't have to be yeah. The right you know, <laughs> if, if you would have asked me this like a month ago before I knew about mold, I would have felt like I still had a pretty big mountain to climb, honestly, mm-hmm. because that's how it felt. I just felt like, what is going on? I'm I'm still so sick, like. Why am I still in bed? Like, why am I still, you know, struggling? But I feel like when I got the blood test back and I realized just how much specifically the mold is impacting me and I realized, like, it's going to be removed from my environment and I'm going to have the ability to detox it out and heal, I feel like now with that information, I don't know, maybe maybe I'm, like... 60, 70% there. I want to say something like that. I want to be optimistic because I feel that that's going to be a really, really huge piece of this puzzle. And I think that when that's removed, I'm hoping that that'll kind of propel things, you know, even quicker forward. So I think I have a more optimistic view on that number now, standing where I am now. Cool. Yeah. Mold can look exactly like Lyme disease. I mean, yeah. mm-hmm. the overlap in symptoms are just, it's amazing. It's the same sort of poisoning of our system. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And then during during the early part of your journey and, and the middle part, what, what kept you going? How did you stay motivated? Oh, my goodness. That's a really, really good question. Um, I think it's twofold or maybe threefold. The first <laughs> is... <laughs> The first is my faith. Um, I have a really, really strong Christian faith, and I feel like that just kind of kept my spirit alive, And so, which is a huge part of it. I think mentally you have to be kind of in a good headspace because that really plays a huge role, personally, in my opinion, just keeping a person. And everyone has different ways of doing that, but for me it was my faith. And, um, and then it was really the fact that I connected with a lot of people who did heal and I read books by people who healed Katina Macris. Mm-hmm. She's incredible and her story is incredible. And those things really kept me going because I felt like, okay, like what is stopping me? If these people who are so ill were able to get their life back and look at them living these incredible full lives, then, then I can do it too. You know, I just need to kind of keep going and I just never stopped researching. I never stopped asking questions. I never stopped, you know, talking to people who succeeded and asking them what they did. I think that's a really important thing is like seeking out people who have improved and then, you know, taking little pieces from their story too. you know, kind of like what they said was great. And, um, you know, I know you do chiropractic and you do acupuncture. Okay. Yep. 
sorry, I thought you did chiropractic. So I went to, I do want to try acupuncture, just on a side note. I just live in a small town and there's not really a whole lot of, there's <laughs> actually no one here who does that. But um, <laughs> there is uh, upper cervical chiropractic. Yes, that, Nuka. That I did, yes. Great stuff. That was so incredible. Yes, and that was something that someone had kind of led me to. So I just think it's super important to just, yeah, look at people who are healing and getting better and hear what they're doing and then, you know, research, is this right for me? Can I add this into the mix of things I'm doing? And that's truly, honestly, what kept me going. It's like, all right, if they can do it, then I can do it. Maybe I can too. Mentality. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. so great. Now, let's yeah. just back up a second there and explain to people what upper, upper cervical chiropractic is because it's really, it's so different and it's so powerful. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's incredible. Yeah, I mean, I was, when you think of chiropractics, you think of like just the full body, kind of like the full spine and being popped kind of here and there. But upper cervical is very, very gentle and very specific. Basically, well, it says it in the title kind of, your your upper cervical area, kind of where I guess the skull meets the spine in that area, they do a really, really gentle adjustment there and they kind of put you back in place where you're off. And then that ends up kind of straightening out the rest of the spine and it takes the pressure off. If you're, if you're not totally adjusted correctly, then you're going to have some pressure on your spine and your spinal cords and it's going to impede your, I guess, like the blood flow and kind of what can go, you know, up to your brain and all the way down, you know, through your spinal cord, which affects your whole body. So essentially you're just straightening that out. It's really gentle. Um, I think it's incredible. It's cutting edge. It's, I probably am not doing it justice at all in describing it, but it's really, really, it's really cool stuff, like you said. I first came across it, and there's a brand name called Nuka, and I forget what that stands for, but essentially it's, mm-hmm. it's exactly what you're describing. So there's a couple, couple <laughs> different schools where they adjust, uh, cervical one, the atlas, which is a special, mm-hmm. it's the only spinal bone that's shaped the way it is, and it can get torqued in weird ways, so it can either impinge the spinal column all the way up there and since those nerves go to every part in the body you can have symptoms all over the body but it also can mm-hmm. impinge the flow of the uh, spinal cerebral fluid and that's yeah. uh, oh, now, now I'm blanking on it that's more like um, cranial sacral therapy where they're feeling the yeah. pulse of, of that fluid flow through and I first mm-hmm. came across it there were two different doctors, one a chiropractor and one a neurosurgeon, who were treating successfully people with fibromyalgia, and one was mm-hmm. doing this upper cervical adjustments, and the other was surgically adjusting the upper cervical. So they were doing the oh, same wow. thing, but they were choosing what they were trained to do, and both were having mm-hmm. remarkable successes with fibromyalgia. Oh, wow. So wow. Th- th- they, got, they got the pain to go away. So it's like, and so in all these cases, so there, here's another thing to 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 kind of look at too. In most of these cases mm-hmm. with fibromyalgia, they had some sort of head trauma, and it didn't have yeah. to be anything major, but they fell or they fell multiple times or slipped on the ice or had a little car accident. And again, it doesn't have sure. to be something where you're medevaced to the ER, but yeah. the, you know, kind of repeated jostles there can get things off and then and then yeah. stay off so and it, so you get this thing aligned but the interesting thing that uh that both of these doctors talked about was 
the, the spirit. So, so these people are in pain forever. And being mm-hmm. in pain forever reduces your immune system. So eventually they would succumb with viruses. So it's a little way, it's a little bit like Lyme disease in that mm-hmm. there's some insult to the body. And Lyme disease obviously mm-hmm. is infection with these fibromyalgia people. It's an injury. Then you're in mm-hmm. chronic pain. It reduces your immune system. And then the viruses and the molds and everything that's kind of around you and in you anyway take a opportunity to have mm-hmm. a party in your body and make everything yeah. worse. Make everything worse. So they're able to take away the pain, get their bodies healed up. But these people, he said, the hardest part was their spirit was broken because they had been in pain for so long and sick and tired for so long that they were terrified to kind of resume their life because they were worried that one wrong move and they would fall back into this horrible pattern again. So that's one reason why I ask you about your motivation and things like that because part of there's the healing part which mm-hmm. is the physical part, but then there's the emotional, and I'm going to call it spirit, and I don't mean soul, although it could yeah, be, it could be yeah, a soul absolutely. injury, right? But the spirit, mm-hmm. like, I'm going to get, you know, the willpower. I'm going to get this done no matter what, and I'm going to get to the bottom mm-hmm. of it. And that's just yeah. as big a part. And you hear people in part of their healing stories, too, is there's the despair and the confusion, and at some point they get their their hearts and their minds right. And even though nothing right. changes physically, it's like their spirit's now intact, and they go attack the problem. And they go figure it out. And that's the turning point in their healing. I can't possibly agree more. Yeah, 100%. I so, so, so agree. I think you you hit the nail on the head with that. It's definitely twofold. There's definitely physical, but just, you know, with your spirit and just emotionally and everything, that, that, that also has to be in line because if it's not, it will, it really will drag you down. And I, during my journey, at one point I had relapsed and... And during that relapse, that was like the one time where I just totally, I just lost my spirit. And I had never had depression before. I've never felt it in my life, but I felt it then. And I really, really struggled. It was just a really, really dark time. And it it made a huge difference. Like, I really feel like it just totally like took my health down with it. It just took my (laughs) everything, my spirit, like you said, completely. And it was really important for me to pull myself up and just turn that situation around because it was just affecting my health to just a degree that I just couldn't even believe. And like you said, when I felt like I got that back and I kind of got that will in me back, it it really changed things a a lot. And is that where your faith came in? Did it help you through that time? Yes. Yeah. Big time, big, big, big time. Um, Yeah. That was definitely a huge thing for me. So I'm, I'm really, really thankful because our pastor, I was just so sick. I could not even move from bed um, at all. I had IVs, I had pancreatitis, like all my organs hurt. I was so sick. Mm. And uh, he, he would come over, he would come over weekly and he would just, he would do Bible studies with me and he would motivate me and speak to me. And, and it was, that really genuinely is what pulled me up from everything. So that's kind of, I think why I speak about it a lot because I really do credit it for just keeping me a going. And then when I felt like I really lost that, it pulled me up from that darkness. And I just think it's so important, whatever method people use, you know, doesn't matter what your faith is. Doesn't matter, you know, what thing you choose to, you know, do that. I think it's very, very, very important. Like you said, for People to just find something, some outlet, something that's going to help keep their keep their soul going. That was beautifully said. No, oh, thank you. <laughs> now, 
folks out there want to follow your blog or you, what's the best way for them to do that? Yes. <clears throat> so it is, <clears throat> my voice here, sorry. It is ladyoflime.com. And that is my blog. Everything imaginable is there. All my stuff categorized, whatever kind of people are interested in reading about. And I'm also really active on Twitter. So it's twitter.com slash Lady of Lime or just at Lady of Lime. And, uh, yeah, those are the two places I interact with people and with patients and just all kinds of people. It's great. Terrific. Thank you for doing what you're doing. I think hearing hearing success stories, and I'm going to call you a success story. I know you're not 100% yet but you're well on this journey and Mm -hmm. anytime we're on a journey and we can kind of reach back and help people who aren't quite as far as we've come uh Mm -hmm. it's like you said the the people who came before you inspired you and now you're turning around and and doing the same thing so thank you for what you're doing oh thank you yes that's that is my goal absolutely This was a great interview. I really enjoyed it. And, you know, listening to her, you you guys kind of got into this topic of conversation about how she how she has the strength to to get up and fight with Lyme every day, basically. Mm -hmm. And it it all it always strikes me whenever I hear whenever I edit these conversations, how much you can hear in the voice, whether a person is still uh, how much spirit a person has yes. or how much fighting spirit a person has. It can how be really apparent. They have, right? Exactly. Yeah. Can be really apparent sometimes. Now, in acupuncture, we're taught to diagnose the level of a disease. So a disease can be on the physical level. You know, can have an, a simple injury. You can have a mental or emotional problem. So uh, an emotion that's stuck, per se, somebody having a problem with, say, fear. And you can also have a spirit-level diagnosis. And it's kind of a funny concept because when we talk about spirits, we're either thinking about ghosts or we're thinking about your soul. And really, to the Chinese, the spirit was different. So there were five different spirits, and the spirits are willpower, uh, the yearning to belong to something bigger than yourself, your personality, your ability to think clearly, and then kind of your animal appetite, so the enjoyment of good food and staying warm and comfortable and comfort foods, things like that. So the Chinese considered each of those things a spirit, and you can get damaged on that level. You can lose your willpower. You can lose your connection to the larger purpose in life. You can lose your own personality. And we find this again and again with people with Lyme disease. So being able to hear that, you can absolutely hear that in somebody's voice. And just normally we don't have the technical language to talk about, okay, what what area of the spirit has been damaged. So that's one thing that acupuncture can do. I'm making a plug here for acupuncture is work (laughs) to restore those kind of motivations. So acupuncture isn't going to kill the Borrelia, but it can help restore your ninja spirit, your willingness to fight forward there. So if, if those things, you know, if you've been battling for a long time and you really find that your spirit is waning, it's a, a, Seek out an acupuncturist, particularly a five-element acupuncturist or a good acupuncturist who has a sense of the the Chinese spirits and can help on that level. And you know what, Aurora, this 
this interview remind me of Melina Coogan we interviewed not too long ago. Yeah. And she Go ahead. Episode it was episode 99, right? And uh, she that's right. Talked about swimming in the streams, in the mountain streams, didn't yes. she? She found her spirit connecting with nature. So another way to talk about spirit is is flow. There are some researchers out there talking about this flow state. And you can get this flow state by connecting to nature, sometimes by people just being quiet by themselves, uh, being in a crowd with excitement, or then they're the adventurer type of people with flow. So they're jumping out of airplanes and snowboarding down the sides of mountain, all that cool stuff you see in North Face ads on television. I'm not sure if I should say speaking of, well, yeah, I think we can say speaking of spirit because this woman is fighting very hard. This comment that I found on Facebook today, she said, Kimberly says, Hey everyone in Pensacola, Florida, me and my husband and son are all suffering from chronic Lyme and Bartonella, exhausted all of our means and the house is in foreclosure and all the money we spent has not helped us. Like everyone else, doctor to doctor and pick line after pick line, not against IV treatment, just wasn't done right. Any help or real advice on where to turn instead of turning in circles would be greatly appreciated. Thank you and God bless. Wow. You know, that's not an uncommon story with Lyme disease, that it just does suck you dry, the treatment. And it it is unfortunate it's not covered under regular insurance for cases like this, somebody seeking kind of normal medical care with antibiotics and pick lines and, and whatnot. You know, when I was at the conference at Sinai Medical School a couple of weeks ago, there was uh, one of the panelists, and unfortunately I forget her name. She's a doctor uh, up in the Boston area, and she got into Lyme disease because of her previous treatment with concussions. And a lot of people with Lyme disease have symptoms very similar to concussions. And when she started finding out that some of her patients had Lyme disease and it wasn't actually from a head injury, well, it was an internal head, head injury, brain injury, I should say. She she got very fascinated about it. Has really become an expert in that arena, uh, treating brain damage. And her comment, anyway, there's a long way to get to this one statement. She made this comment that will stick with me forever. She said, Lyme disease is messy. The diagnosis is messy. The treatment is messy. We don't yet know how to really get to point A to point B efficiently with Lyme disease. It is hit and miss. It is experimentation. It's an N equals one experiment, which means there's only one person who's being experimented on. And it varies from person to person. So we we don't know yet. And unfortunately, we get so many st- stories like this. One of my patients locally was just told by her primary care doctor, uh, said flat out, we do not treat Lyme disease. So she got dismissed from that practice. So she doesn't even have a primary care doctor anymore because the doctor, quote unquote, does not treat Lyme disease. It's just really rough out there. And the 
best you can do is keep on plugging into these support networks that are on Facebook, that are on other places in the web. Go to your local support group. Start a local support group because there are other people out there like you. And part of it is just to keep your spirit up. Winston Churchill, one of his famous quotes is, success is going from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm. And it's just a matter of keep going. You know, it's if anybody had the magic answer at this point, we'd all be lined up at their door waiting to get treatment. But nobody does. It doesn't matter if they're the best, most renowned Lyme doctor in the world or somebody just starting out treatment. Everybody has some successes and everybody has lots of failures. When we figure this out, we'll all be better off. But in the meantime, we just got to keep fighting. So thank you, Kimberly, for writing in, and thank you, Aurora, for finding that comment. If you like Lime Ninja Radio, go ahead and click on over to our website and say hello. You can leave a comment there just like Kimberly did, and we'll respond the best we can. I'll try to respond to all the comments in the on the webpage itself and in Facebook, and we'll read a few here on the air from time to time. And lastly... As you longtime Lime Ninjas know, this podcast would not be complete unless we left you with the Lime Ninja Fact of the Day. Did you know, in the fine print on the last page of the Guinness Book of World Records, it notes that all world records are held by ninjas, and those listed in the books are simply the closest anyone else has ever come. Ninja Radio is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized medical advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's medical situation is unique, and Lime Ninja Radio should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized medical advice. Lime Ninja Radio is not licensed to render medical advice and should be considered simply the public opinion of Lime Ninja Radio and its guests. Recommendations on specific treatment options are not intended to address any listener's particular medical situation. As always, contact your physician before considering any new treatment.